who coincidentally live a hundred years apart under one roof, with a special gift that none of them ever expected to have. It adds immeasurably to their lives, and I hope you will love these two families as much as I did when I wrote the book. It's a very special book, about a special time, and people who have been blessed with a special gift that enriches their lives, and hopefully yours too, while reading about them. I hope you thoroughly enjoy it. Love, Danielle. To my much-loved children, Petey, Trevor, Todd, Nick, Samantha, Victoria, Vanessa, Max, and Zara, may your past, present, and future be a blessing and a gift to each of you, and may the history you share be a bond of love, strength, and tenderness, now and always, for all your days. With all my heart and love forever and always, with all my love, Mom slash DS. And now, Past Perfect. Chapter 1 Blake Gregory sat looking out his office window in New York, pondering the offer he had just been made to be the CEO of a new high-tech social media startup in San Francisco. He'd had other offers before, in Boston and other cities, though none as enticing as this one, and he'd turned them down without hesitation. But this was different. It had several exciting twists. The company's founders were two young men with golden track records who had made vast fortunes with their earlier ventures. As a result, they had plenty of money to invest in their new startup. Their previous companies had been based on simple concepts, and so was this one combining the principles of a search engine with social media, and the potential growth rate was astronomical. Blake was in high-tech venture capital, with an established, extremely respected firm. But the idea they had outlined made sense to him, and even made him want to join their team, although he had done well where he was, and a new company was never certain to succeed. But if it worked, he could see it making billions. There were possible pitfalls involved, but he thought they could be overcome in the developmental stage. The offer had come out of the blue. Based on some business contacts he had and his professional reputation as a smart, forward-thinking analyst of new ventures, highly adept at assessing risk and how to get around it to create a successful business, they were offering him twice what he was making at the firm where he worked in New York. His future was secure where he was now, and he had been there for ten years and liked his co-workers. Everything was unknown about the situation at the startup in San Francisco, including how he had liked the people he'd be working for. He knew they were gutsy, brilliant, and ruthless, and they always made big money. It was so damn tempting, although he wasn't usually a risk-taker. But the money was appealing, and so was the stock he'd owned in the company when they went public, which was their goal. It made him feel young again, thinking about doing something new and different. At forty-six, he had been on a safe, predictable path for a long time. Married with three kids, he wasn't one to throw caution to the wind. He couldn't even imagine what his wife, Sybil, would say if he told her. They were both inveterate New Yorkers, loved the city, and had grown up there, as their kids had. Blake had never considered taking a job in another city, but he was now. If the startup succeeded, he could make a fortune. It was going to be hard to turn down. 
Sybil was 39 years old and had had a diversified career. She had been an art history major at Columbia, which was where she had met Blake, while he was at business school getting his MBA. She had been passionate about Frank Lloyd Wright, I.M. Pei, Frank Gehry, and all the avant-garde architects of modern times. She had gone back to Columbia to study architecture, after she married Blake and had kids, and then changed direction to pursue interior design, and had become a consultant to high-end furniture design firms, and she had created several pieces herself that had become iconic. She was a regular consultant to both MoMA and the Brooklyn Museum, advising them about their acquisitions of important pieces for their permanent collections, and curating shows for them. Everything she touched had a sleek, streamlined look to it, and in her non-existent spare time, she was working on a book about the best of 20th-century interior design, and her publisher was clamoring.